It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jeffrey, let us us continue with the questions and the comments because, uh, you know, this comment section, Jeff, every week just gets more and more and more informational and animated and there's just so much guys participating. So if you're listening to this and you weren't able to join us live, join us live next week because this is a good time uh, talking baseball with you. Uh, I, I do wonder, uh, just to kind of put a pin in that that lineup situation, I do think they're going to settle somewhere, Jeff, on a fairly stable one through nine. I, I don't think that will be positionally as far right. as defense goes, but I, I think they're going to find a lane where while the defensive alignment will change day in and day out, I think there'll be a fairly consistent lineup that David Bell runs out there most days, uh, barring off days and injury. See, I'm curious about that because they have set up this 26 man and in the case of positional player and lineup wise, 13 man roster in that if somebody is going through a bit of a slump, David Bell can give them a break and put another guy in. And it's no longer a, this guy just really isn't working in this matchup situation. It's that you have a, a good and a great to pick from when it comes to David Bell. And I, I think that, there's definitely going to be some meddling. We know that David Bell loves to change the lineup a lot based on matchups, based on this, based on that. And instead of there being a Kevin Newman to choose from, Nick Craw has given him a pretty full uh, hand of cards to play with, if you will. And I, I think that there's going to be some moving, especially early on. I bet that once we get to August, we do start to see that stable lineup. I don't think we see it very much early on in the season. Luke checks in. Hey, Luke. Uh, says he likes Ellie to the outfield. Uh, that Howitzer arm of his has helped him with relays to gun guys down. Uh, Luke says Ellie's arm plays anywhere. And 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 that's the thing. Ellie's arm does play anywhere. Ellie's athleticism plays anywhere. His talent plays anywhere. Um, 
even if he's not the best shortstop on the team. So I think that if you you take that talent and and you're going to have to make adjustments with Ellie because I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced Jeff that his body type as big as he is and the fact that I believe he's going to fill out even more. He's going to bulk up. I think once that happens it's almost going to necessitate a move. And I've always said that I thought it should be third base when the move is made. But maybe there is some consideration to the outfield, and it's going to boil down a lot to what's Ellie in on, what's in the best interest of the Reds, what's the rest of the lineup look like at the time, what's the rest of the defense look like at the time. Uh, I just feel like third base is the best fit when you finally make that move. That's an intriguing thought, though, about the about the relays, about the relay throw, because we do talk about the inefficiency of India. Feels like Matt McLean, Ellie, Noavi Marte all have pretty decent arms. And really, we've talked about CES's arm as well. You could set up a good system to kind of hide India's arm in some cases where, you know, you've got the cutoff, the cutoff man is ready and raring to go to relay that throw. And you don't need India to throw a strike to home plate on one hop or something like that. That, that could be something that helps mitigate a little bit of a lesser arm out there in right field. I don't necessarily know that you can rely on it hundred percent of the time, but that is an interesting point to ponder when we're considering who gets that, that right-handed spot on right field. Carrick Melvin checks in and Carrick has hit on something that I've been wondering about a little bit too with CES in the outfield. Uh, Carrick says CES played two games in the outfield in Louisville, never played another game there, even with the Reds trying to find a way to bring him up. Uh, Carrick says that he doesn't see him going to the outfield. I've wondered about this a little bit too. There are these two random outfield appearances for CES in Louisville, and then it never happened again. And it's, it's, it's this, this little nagging thought in the back of my head of, did they see something that said to them, we're going to pull the plug on this before it ever gets started. And nobody's ever really talked about it, but there are these two outlier games that for whatever reason, he makes two appearances in the outfield, and they never do it again. And it's, it's, it's something to think about. I think it's, and, and look, we'll admit this is a little bit of off season speculation that Steve and I have had about CES going to right field. Uh, just because of those two games, it's like, well, they thought to try and maybe they'll try it again. We will know in spring training, if we don't see him appear in any games in right field in spring training, then we can take that plan and throw it out the window and crumble it up, throw it in the trash, whatever. Uh, but it's a little bit of speculative, like just based on the talent that he's shown and based on the things that he has, it's possible he can't track a fly ball. And that's probably a, a good reason to worry about whether or not he'd be tried out there. Uh, I still, I still wonder though, if they don't do it, like until I don't see it, I'm going to ponder his value to the Reds out in right field. Right, let's, I'm going to put this up, Jeff, because and it comes from uh, Nicholas. And Nicholas, thanks for watching today. Nicholas says, put Elliot catcher and give the catcher a break. And I know this was said tongue in cheek, but I have a thought. And hear me out, Jeff. I would love for David Bell in a game that hopefully the Reds have a big lead in the center already. And it doesn't matter a whole lot. And they could have a little bit of fun. I want Ellie De La Cruz to play all nine positions. In one game, <laughs> he definitely could. And if there's anybody on this team that could do it, it would be Ellie De La Cruz, and I think that would be fun. Let's have him pitch or play all nine positions and finish the game on the mound to see that Maybe. 90 mile an hour cannon just wing fastballs up there. I, I, I would be all in on that. I think that would be so much fun. 
I have, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it for his entire career. There's not a position that he can't play. I mean, he would need to learn a few things and obviously the nuances of catching and all that stuff, but in a pinch, Ellie could play anywhere. He's, he's the best athlete on the field. Talk's going to circle back to the pitching. Luke asked, how have green and others not developed that change up with DJ and Mario Soto helping out thoughts. I, I kind of agree that at this point, Hunter should have probably figured this out a little bit more than he has. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if it's a confidence thing and I mean, DJ can teach the format and, and you know, the, the mechanics and all that stuff until he's blue in the face, but you, you've got to have confidence in it and what that will take, you know, what kind of development does he have to do to have confidence in that third pitch? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's a, that's an interesting question though, because I mean, DJ has, really solidified a lot of things for a lot of players, but his philosophy has always been, I'm going to take what you do good and make it great. So I almost wonder if there's not a little bit of, all right, we keep working on this changeup and it's just not working. Let's see if we can develop the fastball. And we saw last year, there was a bit of a two seam action to some of his fastballs. I wonder if he's not saying, look, we can maybe just change the grip a little bit and you don't have to change much else mechanically and then the fastball, instead of rising, has a little bit of a run to it. That, that That's an interesting take, though, because you're right. I mean, we continue to say a third pitch is what he needs, and it just doesn't feel like that third pitch has, has gotten there yet. And he's still got plenty of time in his career to add one, but I, I don't know. Maybe we see that this year. I wonder if you know some of the injury stints and the disruption to the routine have played a part of that. And also, you know, our buddy Carlos Guevara has told us Bronson Arroyo has told us when you've talked to him that making adjustments on the mound in a season are hard. Figuring things out, pitching to major league hitters is hard. Um, it's off season work. It's spring training work. So uh, I hope he goes out in spring training and throws nothing but the fastball and the changeup fastballs and changeups. That's it. Breaking pitches there. He doesn't need to work on that a whole lot. Yeah. Once he has the feel for it and he knows it's dialed in, move on. Throw those change-ups, 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 and see if you can't get it there. Because I think we're right still that it will be a game-changer for the results that he gets on the mound if he can start dropping that change-up in and keeping hitters off balance. Because it's all about how his pitches move. And with the fastball rising, maybe even sometimes having a little bit of a cut action, and then his slider that also breaks the same way, a little bit more so than a cut fastball would, but it breaks that same way. He needs something else that goes to the other side of the plate. So whether that's a fastball that runs or whether that's a changeup that runs away from a right-handed hit or a left-handed hitter, that's really what he needs to add to his arsenal. So maybe that's what they were trying, and maybe we see more of the two-seam fastball this year because every time and you know I always do this to try to break down a pitcher's uh, repertoire but every game that we saw I would constantly look and see okay how many changes is he throwing it was always like four five three two you know it was, it was never like enough to be consequential and to say oh yes he's obviously becoming more confident in it because if you're only throwing it three or four times a game then you're just doing that to show other hitters hey I can grip the baseball differently but you probably don't have to worry about this pitch coming at you. All right. Where are we going to go from here, Jeff? We talked a little bit about pitching. We talked a lot about Ellie in the outfield and let's, let's talk about the bullpen for just a minute. Uh, I think the bullpen is seemingly set now. There's, there's some interchangeable parts there at the, you know, six, seven, eight slot in the bullpen, but we know what the, the, we know what the late innings looks like for this bullpen. 
Alexis Diaz is going to be the closer of this team. You've gone on record and what did you say? 45 saves this season? 40. For I still 40? think 40. I don't think 45. Yeah. 40 saves for Alexis Diaz in 2024. Uh, the nights that he's not closing, who mm-hmm. will be? First, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel's got this amazing offer. We are headed to Super Bowl week. We got the Pro Bowl this Sunday. I'll be honest with you. If you wager on the Pro Bowl over at FanDuel.com, more power to you. I don't care about that. What I care about is the Super Bowl. And the FanDuel, folks over at FanDuel have great offers for you there. I mean, there's so many different kinds of wagers that you can place. You're talking about prop bets. You're talking about over-unders. You're talking about the money line, the, the points spread for the game, and all that great stuff. Find it at FanDuel.com. And new users, when you place a $5 wager and you win, you'll get $200 in bonus bets back. Yeah. You're not going to find those odds unless you're taking a wager that is just absolutely insane and probably won't happen. Check them out today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Plus, you can also jump in on some of the MLB futures that are out there. I'm saying it. The Reds are going to win the NL Central. And if you believe me, go throw some bones on it over there. They're still third as far as odds are concerned in the NL Central. They have the uh, Cardinals as the favorite. I don't know why they have the Cubs right behind them. And then they have the Reds at plus 370. That line has moved a little bit. It's going to continue to move as well. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. Join it. And your first $5 wager that wins will get you $200 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Lucas Sims. Lucas Sims. I, th- I think Lucas Sims has a similar pitch repertoire. I mean, obviously Diaz's fastball slider and Sims has a couple of more, but for the most part, Sims' two best pitches are his fastball and his slider. So you still kind of have that feeling to him. He's definitely got to cut down on the walks, and he said that. He told us that. He he hated how much he, he had trouble with, you know, walking guys. And sometimes there's a strategic element to that. But for the most part, there were a lot of times where he was just like, gosh, I I can't keep walking people. So if he cuts down on that, he will be a definite viable closer 1B because you can almost split the bullpen into two two waves, really. And that's where we talked about last year. They really struggled because it felt like they had to keep throwing out Diaz every day. And now they could probably give him a day break, you know, in between kind of go one off, one on sort of thing where you have hopefully, and this is being optimistic again, we get six innings from the starter. Then the seventh inning, you have Emilio Pagan, eighth inning, you have uh, Buck Farmer, and then ninth inning, you have Alexis Diaz. And then your B squad, uh, the seventh inning, you get Nick Martinez, the eighth inning, you get Brent Suter, and the ninth inning, you get Lucas Sims. Like that is a very viable option for this team. And then if you have days where the starter doesn't go quite as long, Nick Martinez or Brent Suter can fill in for more than one inning. Because you still have Sam Mole as your other left-hander. Right. And you're okay if you have to use Suter for an extended period of time. 
Exactly. And we didn't right. even mention the other guys that they got. Uh, I mean, if TJ Antone is healthy or, you know, what, what's Ian Jabot going to be on this team? Like you still have plenty. Or, of is, or is Ian Jabot going to be on this team? Uh, right. We keep, we keep ending up there. I, if, I mean, if any of those other guys, TJ Antone, any of those other guys come in lights out, there's going to be some hard conversations that we're going to have to have about what the, the back end of this bullpen truly looks like uh ginger weighs in with a good point and this relates back to our lineup conversation jeff ginger says i don't want ellie at six in the lineup behind slower guys i want the guy in front of him that can go first to third easy otherwise you turn ellie doubles into singles that's a great point if mm -hmm. you've got him batting behind say candelario that's going to change things up for him a little bit um great point ginger um didn't discuss that at all when i was talking about it that's uh that probably does make it make a whole lot more sense to have Ellie higher up there with McLean and Friedel who can both jet in front of him. And that's why it's tough. Like if, if Ellie starts to pan out and this is, this is going to be, I mean, this is definitely a topic for down the road when he actually does pan out. Cause it's not worth talking about in depth right now, but I wonder, and this is a thought that I'm going to put out there. If Ellie does take that next step, and really starts to show that he's more like June Ellie than he is like August Ellie. Do you put him at leadoff? Because there's no one in front of him because he can be that dynamite started, you know, started up kind of dude. And do you move Friedel to second Matt McClain to third? It'd be a good problem to have, but it, it, it's a thought and, and not, there's not much in-depthness there because he has to prove it before I really want to put him in the leadoff spot. But I think there's an argument to be made for that. Pierre is watching us today, Jeff, and asks, are we convinced India is traded before opening day? I am not convinced that India is traded before opening day. I think it could happen. I mean, a deal could present yeah. itself. Nick Crawl could go out and put a package together for that, that elusive outfielder, and it could involve Jonathan India. But I think it's much more likely at this point with just a few weeks remaining until spring training really fires up that India is with this team. They try and, and shoehorn a role for him, hope that he performs well, and then he could possibly be a trade deadline type of swap for filling a need that the Reds have identified during the course of the season. Yeah, convinced is definitely not the word I would say, but I'm also not convinced that they won't trade him. I'd say better than zero chance, but less than 50% chance. But it's it's definitely not zero. Joseph checks in and says, no matter who plays, it's going to be so much fun to watch this team grow and get better. A contender for sure. I, I think, Jeff, you and I both agree with that. Um, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about the start of a season. In fact, it probably, you know when The last time I was probably this excited leading into a season was 1991, coming off the World Series. I, I think mm -hmm. that's the last time I was just so itching for baseball to get started. And I think the reason that our excitement is so high is because there's a confidence there. We never hardly ever have confidence heading into a season, like maybe 2011, 2012, but like 2010, we didn't enter the season with confidence and, and it turned out nice, but we entered the season with excitement. We are coming off a 82 win season as fans that the team only got better. Not because they went out and they spent a bunch of money the season before, but because guys that they called up from the farm system started to pan out. 
And that is why we have excitement mixed with confidence, which is making this opening day. It's going to be so much fun there. March 28th down at the banks that I, I can't wait. It's it's the, the entire season as a whole, like thinking about how different guys are going to develop. And I'm even interested if, if, if Jose Barrero makes this opening day roster, what is he going to be? Like we're talking about all the way one through 26, every single dude on this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And sure, there are plenty of dudes who are must-watch, you know, can't-miss type guys that you're going to either want to be at the ballpark, at or watching on television, or listening to it on the radio. But there's also going to be so many other dudes that fill in with those guys that are going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. There, one through nine in this lineup, there's not a single guy that I'm going to be like, ah, I'm going to go get a refill while this guy's at the plate. Like, all of these guys are going to be so much fun. Andy checks in with something here. He says 90 plus or hundred wins. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little different. Andy Jeffrey over under at 89.5. I have said that they will win 88 games. So I guess I'm taking the under on this one. Yeah. I, I do you see any, how, it's, hard it's so, it's, how hard do you have to squint to get them to 90 there? How about that? There has to be less than, like, you're talking about really consequential guys, star guys. Only one of them can be on the IL at any given time. Um, there's there's plenty of depth on this team, but once you really start adding up injured players, that's when this team is going to get really interesting in how the roster moves. I just, I don't have enough confidence to say they're going to win 90 games. Part of the reason that I say they will win the NL Central is I don't think it's going to take 90 wins to win the NL Central. I think they can win it with 88. But I really think that this team is an 88-win team. Everything has to fall perfectly for them to win over 90 games. Think about it. this. The schedule does not include as many division games as it used to. We saw that last year. And they're going to be playing every single team in the league at least once, whether it be at their place or at our place. So I think that the centrals, the AL central and the NL central were the teams that benefited the least from this more, you know, streamlining of the schedule and making it more balanced uh, as opposed to more division games. And I think that hurts the central team. So I still think they win 88 games. It's it's everything's got to be right for them to hit 90 or more. How about this from our buddy, Mr. Alberto down in Mexico, Reese Hines and Blake Dunn for his dark horses. He says uh, to compete for outfield positions still thinks Nick cross should trade for center fielder, Luis Robert from the Chicago white Sox. Let's let's go into this Dunn Hines thing, Jeff. Um, for me, I think it's done over Hines still, unless Reese makes some kind of major, major move in Louisville. Um, and even at that, done over Hines, I don't think we'll see done before September unless, I mean, he would just have to tear the cover off the ball from day one in AAA, and then someone would have to get hurt on the major league roster, I think, to see done before then. Yeah, because, and and it's something that you think, well, okay, so they're going to try this thing with either India or Marte or whoever as the right-handed platoon. If that doesn't work out, does that mean they call up Blake Dunn? I think if the moving the infielders to the outfield thing doesn't work, then they actually try the everyday Will Benson thing 
before they call it Blake Dunn. And I think it's Blake Dunn over Reese Hines by a wide margin. I really like Reese Hines, but Reese Hines has a huge deficiency in his game. And he just, he is super inconsistent at the plate. Like he will go through weeks at a time where he's hitting the cover off the ball. And then we'll go through weeks at a time where he is an automatic out, like a la Kurt Casale last year at the plate. Like that's how bad he tends to go on some of those stretches. Uh, so that's why I think, I, I, I think that's the reason they haven't gone out and made that move for the right-handed outfielder just yet is that they believe they can turn Will Benson into an everyday outfielder. Well, let me ask you this. Why Will Benson over Jake Fraley? We talked about Will Benson, uh, couple episodes back we talked about his splits his splits in about 40 games against left-handed pitching were horrible batting average uh, below 200 uh, his numbers did not look good uh, Jake Fraley is the same he's the same guy but he plays a better he plays a better defensive outfield uh, when you look at Jake Fraley's splits versus left-handers in the same roughly he had 31 games his his slash line against left-handed pitching was 147 268 235 about the same as what Will Benson did against left-handed pitching but he's better in the outfield I think there's more upside to Will Benson and we saw and he destroyed right-handed pitching he was actually better against right-handed pitching than Jake Fraley was against right-handed pitching but I, I, I just think that when you put them both together, I think Jake Friley has a higher floor, but Will Benson has a higher ceiling. And I think that's why they go, they go with Will Benson until maybe he hits a long slump and then they'll probably bring Jake Friley in a little bit more. I think Jake Friley might see some playing time over TJ Friedel in center field in some cases, if they're really looking to add some pop to the lineup and maybe they've gone through a little bit of a dry spell that way. Uh, I just, I, I think that Will Benson the upside that he has shown, he gets more of a look than Jake Fraley does. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Jimmy McFarlane in the chat checking in jimmy says what do we feel like uh the reds are missing a power bat starting pitcher so let's let's frame it like this jeff nick craw gets just one more move before the season starts for me it's that outfield power bat a right-handed power hitting bat that just rounds this team out and makes them uh, like i said in the first segment there i think that makes this team the undisputed leader of the pack in the national league central I want to disagree, but I don't think I can because the only reason that I would disagree is if Nick Lodolo truly isn't healthy or Frankie Montas truly isn't healthy, then they do need to go out and make another move for a starting pitcher. But if you make that move now, then you are saying one of a healthy Nick Lodolo or Andrew Abbott or somebody like that is out of the opening day rotation. So then that move better be for a Blake Snell type guy. And I just don't think the Reds are going to commit that many years to a pitcher. So I think that, yeah, that what's, what's a most impactful and B most likely to happen is that he gets a power bat in the outfield, right? Or right-handed power bat in the outfield. Denny agrees. Right-handed power bat. I, I think that's, that's uh Mr. E 
And Mr. E's kind of been trolling today. I'm not sure if he's been day drinking or what, because I've been seeing your comments, Mr. E, but I will use this one because you say Fraley is a bona fide power hitter. When Fraley's hot, Fraley's hot. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I think, Jeff, you're probably spot on that Benson has more upside. I think Fraley maybe has kind of peaked at what he's going to be. Um, need I like I like both these guys a lot. I mean, their personalities are awesome. Like I love listening to their post games and them talking about baseball and things like that. But the best of Jake Fraley is what Will Benson is on a regular basis. Like, yeah, Jake Fraley is a bona fide power hitter. So is Will Benson. Will Benson almost slugged 600 against righties last year. Like to keep him out of the lineup and put in Jake Fraley more, you've, you've got to really be telling me that just Will Benson just isn't, picking up this whole defensive outfielder thing and i don't buy it i, I just think will benson needs to be playing more than jake fraley i don't know what's going on today but carrick is reading my mind carrick weighs in with this he says if i put all the reds in order of who i trust to have a good season benson would be at the bottom he could be very good but i wouldn't bet on it i, I kind of feel that way too i i would I need to see a little more from him, I think, before I, I think, again, it circles back to the where are we going to set the expectation? Um, he did have some really good months last year. But for me to consider him an everyday starting outfielder that we don't need to go out and try and upgrade, he's going to have to show me a lot more. Well, and I, I still don't know that I would say I trust him to be an everyday outfielder. I still think that the Reds plan a is to mitigate his time against lefties as much as they possibly can. But I do find it interesting. There was a clip that was being shared around social media last night that uh, it was from MLB network a few days ago that uh, Matt Vaskersian, one of the MLB network anchors picked Will Benson as the number five right fielder in all of baseball. He thinks that he is a top five right fielder now based on what he has already seen. And what he thinks that Will Benson can do. I think that we are underselling it. And we do this Cincinnati thing where we look at a guy's struggles and we magnify them. Like, did he struggle at the beginning of this? Absolutely. He struggled at the beginning of last season, but I think he showed enough once he was called up afterward for me to trust him at the very least against right-handed pitching. And maybe defensively as well. The, the left-handed side for me would be a gamble, and I really don't want the Reds to do very much gambling this season. I want them to mitigate risk as much as they possibly can, but if it's got to be a plan B or C, like if the if the Marte or India thing in the outfield, or even if they do go with CES like we're speculating, if that doesn't work out, then I am okay with that being plan B. Mr. Juan agrees uh, with uh, Will Benson being a top five outfielder in baseball. He thinks Will Benson will be an all-star this next year. Um, I don't know about that. I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I will take it. Um, and you're right. You know, your, your Will Benson hype train was awful lonely at the end of April last year. It was just you, you on your pumper cart, man. So, going. so it, it's good. That's right. Too. You guys, you guys <laughs> were all by yourselves for a long time. So um, this from Luke. Uh, I think Lance McAllister was doing this earlier um, on Twitter. Number, I 19. Back. I, I, number 19. That's where I went with that too. But I, I, just, I, I just put that up there to say, I think it will be Joey's number. Uh, they'll do it. <laughs> the They'll do it the very next season after he retires. 
Mm -hmm. And then I don't know that there'll be another number retired for a long, long time because of just the, the, the economics of baseball. And if anybody's even going to be here for a whole career and it just, there's a lot of variables now that could uh, keep there from being a number being retired for a while. But I think, yeah, number 19. Yeah. There's not much. They're going to retire my number. (laughs) Joey's number. Uh, There's not a whole lot of, discussion i think on this i think it's pretty obvious i've seen some people that have suggested brandon phillips i've seen some people that suggested number 44 and not even necessarily for adam dunn but for eric davis and i'm like well if they would have done that they would have done that a long time ago um there's different guys that have meant a lot of different things to this organization but in the grand scheme of things the reds have decided and i agree with them to not be the Yankees and retire half the numbers in existence that they've made it very clear. You've got to be amazing at what you do. Hall of fame caliber player, not just reds, hall of fame, caliber player, MLB hall of fame, uh, caliber player, baseball hall of fame, caliber. Joey is the only one in recent memory that is that player. And I'm kind of with you. Like, I mean, as, as much fun as some of these rookies have been, they obviously have a long way to go before we even start to mention the 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 Hall of Fame worthiness of them. So I think that, yeah, number 19 is the only number I could see them possibly retiring uh, anytime soon. While we're talking about Joey Votto, Kerry asks, has there's been any word on Votto or any updates? Well, uh, the, the market certainly is getting narrower as signings add up. You know, Milwaukee was in the hunt for a while. Now they're not. They signed a first baseman. Uh, Toronto. Seemingly is maybe they're in out. all the rumors. Every time a new yep. update comes out about a Joey Votto rumor, they say, well, there's Toronto and there's this new team. The The latest new team was the angels. Um, I don't know if it made some sense. I mean, I, so I, the, I, angels, I, the angels made some sense just from the standpoint that Joey Votto loves Southern California. He maintains a home there. Uh, yeah. When the reds would go on West coast trips, you know, Joey would go stay at his house in Southern Cal. So the angels made sense to me. I just, and, and again, and I hate being objective about Joey Votto because I love him so much, but let's break this down for a minute. What team in major league baseball has the most expensive injured list every single year? It is always the angels because they've always got Rendon on the injured list. Mike Trout's going to be on there at some point this year. Shohei hit the injured list a lot last year. Of course, now he's a Dodger. So he doesn't get the count toward that, but they've added some other free agent pitchers. Joey has struggled with injuries as of late. Every single year, it seems he is dealing with something. So for them to sit down and be like, let's go get Joey Votto, they're adding another injury-prone guy. And if I'm an Angels fan, I don't know that I really want that. I still say, and I maintain this, he's going to end up in Toronto. A couple more, and then we'll get out of here, Jeff. I'm not going to scroll back to find it, to put it up on the screen, but somebody asked a really good question that I want to get your take on, and that is, who has more stolen bases in 2024? Ellie De La Cruz or Acuna? It's going to be a tough one because Acuna did steal 73 last year. Um, I say it's going to be Ellie. And I, I know that that is the reds colored goggles, optimistic Jeff coming out with this, but I truly believe he's going to be up in the majors all year. His on base percentage is going to improve from last season. He's, he's going to be on the base paths a lot more and he's going to have the green light a lot more. I felt like last year, 
toward the end of the season when he was starting to get caught a lot is that he was trying to make up for the outs that he was making at the plate and the mistakes that he was making in the field and things like that. So that every time he got on first, he didn't necessarily strategically plan out when he was going. It always felt like when he was going was the most obvious time that he was trying to take second base. And that's what worked against him a lot. I think this year he's going to get back to the fact that he is going to get comfortable within this game. I think that's the the easiest prediction for me when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz. Not anything number-wise. It's that he will get comfortable this year. What that looks like production-wise, I think he will lead the league in steals. I think it's hilarious that he is, what was that, fourth or fifth on the, you know, leading the MLB in steals thing. This is recency bias. They picked Acuna to be the favorite, obviously, when he steals 73 bags in a year. But I, I think that Ellie is going to steal the bases and get on base at the clip and the number that we hoped Billy Hamilton would whenever we called up Billy Hamilton. Like, Ellie De La Cruz is going to lead the league in steals this year. So could Ellie De La Cruz have more stolen bases than Acuna? Yes. Um, but I don't think it will be in 2024. I think it could be in 2025. I think Ellie still needs one more year to get all aspects of his game dialed in. Ryan thinks the same that I'm thinking in my head. Uh, Ryan says it'll be Acuna because he thinks Acuna will be on base more than Ellie. I think that's true as well. I think that for 2024, Acuna ultimately will lead the stolen base category again, uh, as long as he's healthy. Uh, 2025, I think Ellie will have all aspects of his game dialed in. And I think he will be a force. And I think then we'll start seeing him break some records and do some things and it will be great. Um, I'm not quite ready to think he's going to pass Acuna this year. Again, 70 plus steals. It's a lot of steals. Yeah, I, I, I guess Acuna is better than Ellie. I don't know. But as of right now, I think Ellie surpasses him pretty soon. But I say that I say that at a very low volume because I hate admitting it. <laughs> huh? How's this? Is there any way to catch you guys at Great American Ballpark and buy you a beer and say thanks? Well, heck yeah, there is. Let me see. Jeff, this is the thing. I always get tricked and talk about our hangout spot. And it just we'll makes it harder. It makes it harder to drink at our hangout spot. But I will say this. We'll Jeff and I will both be at Great American Ballpark on opening day. I will be there the entire opening series. And if I have my way, Jeff will be there with me. Um, I'm gonna have to buy hannah a present or something so that she'll give you up for the whole weekend but um we'll be down there the first weekend of the season i'll be back in june jeff's there off and on all the time so yeah we're down there if you see us at the ballpark and generally um you can find me because all of my jerseys actually have my name on the back of them they don't have um players for the most part so you'll see me walking around and if you see me feel free to stop me and say hi and hang out i love talking baseball it's why i love the aloha fridays jeff it's why this is so much fun i love talking baseball with everybody and yeah come say hi to us at the ballpark for sure always love doing that at the ballpark wherever we might be if you run into us always happy to say hi all right, Jeff, we have crossed the one hour mark, and I uh, I think that's probably a good place to put a pin in it. So why don't you go ahead and get us out of here? Absolutely. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us here on this live Aloha edition of the podcast. And again, if you're listening to the replay of it, make sure you join us Friday afternoons throughout spring training. As it approaches, we will be live with you talking Reds baseball every Friday afternoon. Uh, but that'll do it for us here today. Coming up next week, we're back to five days a week. We will begin 
a series of different segments and things like that where we look at the other teams in the central and why the reds stack up well against them because i believe they stack up well against every single one of them and we will get you ready for when pitchers and catchers report the following week after the super bowl but until then you can trust that we will be locked on reds every single day you better buy your wife something nice for valentine's day now I'll get her like some chocolates or something Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.